Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. God is good, amen? Hey, well, uh, my wife already highlighted it. Um, I'm a little loud up here to me. I don't know how I sound out there. Um, A little loud out there too. Yeah, you can turn me down a bit. Um, My wife already highlighted, but next week I'm super pumped. My pastors, pastors Tony and Cheryl Ashmore are gonna be in town. And as she mentioned, they're on the the board here at Canvas Church. And if you've never heard from them, man, you're gonna want to be here. Uh, Man, it's gonna be be a fun time. Um, And uh, it's also uh, Palm Sunday. And so it's just gonna be a great, it's gonna be a great celebration in church. And uh, how many of you guys ready to have fun today though? That was so weak. All right, how many of you guys are ready to have fun today? All right, well, grab, grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Daniel. It's an Old Testament passage, and uh, we're going to read from today out of the Old Testament book, Daniel. And uh, we've been in this book now for about three months. And actually, I can't even say we've been in the book. We've actually been in the first six chapters for about three months. And uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of bring it to a close today. And I say that because I don't know what uh, Pastor Tony's going to preach out of next week. And so he knows we're in this series. I told him we're looking at Daniel. And so he could preach something from that next week. And so, um, but as far as we are here, um, I'm going I'm to bring this to a close with a, a message that I think is going to hopefully help you and challenge you a little bit. Um, and then next week, Pastor Tony, and then we're going to celebrate Easter together. And then we're going to kick off our brand new series uh, the week after Easter. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but we called this series Counterculture um, because uh, we need to learn how to live uh, in, a, in a world that is counter uh, to our Christian values, beliefs, and morals. And, uh, and so we're encouraging each other in the Word, looking at uh, this Old Testament guy, Daniel, and seeing how he lived in Babylon. Uh, because Babylon was completely contrary to uh, the Hebrew traditions, uh, values, and morals, and yet he found a way to thrive, not just survive, in Babylon. And so we're, we're looking at this as, hey, we're living in a modern-day Babylon. How can we learn from Daniel, learn some principles, learn some characteristics, learn some qualities that we can apply to our life, so like Daniel, we can also just thrive through it. Are you with me? Um, I don't know about you. How many of you guys just want to make it through life barely? How many of you guys want to absolutely thrive, you know, in your faith and in your Christianity, no matter, yeah. And so we, we like to take notes here at Canvas Church. If you want some paper notes, you can just wave your hand and the ushers will come through and give those to you. We also have the digital ones on our app. Um, but here's the thing. I did not know how timely uh, this whole idea would be of looking at Daniel and how he thrived in a Babylonian culture. I didn't know how timely it would be to talk about this idea of counterculture uh, living. Um, when you begin to look around, at, come on, in a culture where Carney B wins Song of the Year, but come on, Dr. Seuss is canceled. Come on, somebody. How many know that we're living in a, in, in a, in a kind, of, kind of a strange season? We're living in a kind of a strange world right now. And I don't want you to go and Google and listen to that song. Just trust me, it's nasty. All right? And, uh, and you don't need to listen to it. Um, but keep reading, Dr. Seuss. Come on, somebody. I mean, we want a literate world. We want people to know how to read, okay? Um, but this is, this is where we're at, right? We're in this world where we're canceling all this stuff and celebrating sin where we're celebrating a godless life, we're celebrating godless living, uh, but yet other things that would perpetuate, maybe even not just Christianity, but perpetuate good morals and good things are are being canceled. And and so I believe we're in a season where we need to learn how to live counterculture. And so we spent the last three months in the book of Daniel learning how to live in a way that pleases Jesus. How many think that's a good thing? 
All right, four of you. All right. We please Jesus in the midst of a culture that is so counter to our Christian values, morals, and beliefs. And so today I wanna share with you uh, one last idea, Daniel chapter six, just gonna read the first five verses or so of this. Um, Great thing to do when you come to church is bring your Bible. I got both a digital one up here and a paper one. Um, actually, I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, because that's a good thing for a pastor to be. I bring my paper one up here and I just open it up. I'm actually not even on Daniel, uh, but I just want you to, you know. <laughs> it's just so much easier to read from the digital one. Um, and so every week I just bring this up here and I open it up so you think that I'm reading from the paper one. All right? There you have it. All right. So um, I'm actually open to Nehemiah. There's something good in Nehemiah as well, all right? Um, But it's just so much easier to read uh, from this because the letters are bigger and I'm getting older. All right. So Daniel chapter 6, now that we've clarified that. Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Reading from the New Living Translation, it says, And Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. He appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel. That's, that's the guy that's this, you know, the story's about here, and he's actually the one that wrote this book. Chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made him, uh, made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now this is awesome, okay, let's pause here. For those of you that are just joining us, Daniel is not from Babylon. Daniel, along with all of his family, relatives, and friends, and have been taken captive, okay? Um, God allowed uh, his own people to be taken captive uh, because of sin that was actually rampant uh, in, in, in there, and he wanted to teach them a lesson. And so Babylon goes in and takes all of these Hebrew people captive and then they begin to select some of them to become uh, different things within, within Babylon. And so Daniel's not even from here, but look, look what happens. Daniel gets elevated to this place to oversee the entire empire. I would say he's thriving in Babylon, not just surviving. Are you with me? And we've been looking at these ideas that took him there. We're going to look at one more today. Verse 4, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some, some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. In other words, these are maybe some Babylonians. Maybe there's even some Hebrews. Uh, but they're jealous of Daniel and how he's been elevated. And so now they want to seek out how can we make it so he doesn't keep getting elevated, Okay began searching for some fault in Daniel as he was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Come on, that's what should be said of the church. That's what should be said of Christians as we're living faithful, as we're living obedient to God's word, as we're we're doing our best. And here's the thing, does that mean you're never gonna mess up? No, you're gonna blow it. I blew it at least once this week, ask my wife. You're gonna mess up. But, but here's what we understand as Christians. Christ's love, grace, mercy, and righteousness covers it, right? Talked about it last week. Man, Pastor Steve preached an amazing message on it. Go back and listen to it. Man, as Christ's followers, yeah, we're gonna blow it, but guess what, it's covered. So does this mean Daniel was absolutely perfect only because he knew his God, and that is God covered him? They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Check this out. He was faithful 
always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And those are things that you can have control over. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Now, if you're an employer, that is a great person to hire right there, right? So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with his rules and religion. In other words, they realized, hey, the only way we're gonna get this faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy person, the only way we're gonna trap him is if we, if we make a law against his God, if we make a law against his religion and his beliefs. Because see, we know he's gonna be faithful and continue to do that. So they begin to devise a plan. We read the, la, uh, the rest of it a couple weeks back. Go back and listen to the message. But I don't wanna highlight this part again. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Where did that come from? I wanna talk to you the next few moments about the idea of humility in Babylon. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is amazing. I pray that, uh, Lord, as we try to wrap this thing up, God, as we, we, we look at, at this last idea from Daniel's life, that, Lord, you'd help me communicate it in such a way that it would be received. God, that it would not just go into our, our, our external ears, but it would go into our hearts. And, Lord, we would be challenged. God, we would be refreshed. God, we'd be encouraged. We'd be motivated by you and by your word. God, I pray you'd help me now in the time that I have to create a place for people to discover your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the amazing plan you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Humility in Babylon. We were, uh, we were about three or so years into planting uh, the church, and uh, we uh, had just come out of a really horrific season uh, where, uh, and you've heard some of this over the last couple weeks, where um, we got hit with an arson, lost a bunch of stuff. We were just regrouping, and we were meeting in the uh, school district headquarter offices, which uh, you can see if you watch the news ever. It's where they have the council member desks and whatnot. How many of you guys were there for that season, and you met? Um, yeah, that was just wonderful. And um, sarcastically speaking. And uh, we, that's where we met. It was a lot of work. And I'll never forget, we had probably been there for a couple months just trying to regroup and whatnot. And uh, I don't know if somebody learned my love language, but I love gifts. Um, and so if you find a gift from me, that might not be your love language, but it's my love language. And so I tend to give people what I, I like, you know, so I, I love giving gifts and because uh, I love getting gifts. And so I remember walking out after service and I remember walking over to my car and there was this, this little gift wrapped set on my, on my windshield. And I was so excited. I was like, somebody knows my love language. This is awesome. And so I was so excited to open this. And so I, I quickly grab it and I open it up and it's a book and on the front it says humility. No name, who left it? Just humility was the name of the book. And there was a little card in it that said, Pastor, wanted to get you this book, um, thought you might be able to learn from it and appreciate it. Signed, nobody, right? And I thought to myself, why are they giving this to me? Humility is my greatest quality and I'm so proud of it. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't think, you know, why in the world they'd be giving this to me. Well, someone happened to see me get this, this, this thing and open it up and they came over and like, oh, you got a gift? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know who left it. I'm like, oh, we saw who left it. And I'm like, who is it? Come on, somebody. 
I mean, come on, if you're going to leave a little gift like that with a little bit of subliminal message, at least have enough guts to put your name on it, right? And so I was like, tell me who it is. I want to know, you know, I want to thank them. Um, I'll drink to that. I want to thank them. And so they shared with me who it was. So I reached out to these people, and I just said it was a husband and wife, newly married. Um, and I reached out and said, hey, like, thanks for the book. Like, I haven't actually read that one. Um, really appreciate it. Um, but I just want to ask you this question. Um, do you think that I have a problem with humility? And, um, and it took them a little while to get back to me. Um, thank God for email nowadays. It's just so non-confrontational, right? Um, it took them a while to get back to me. They got back to me and they said, uh, yeah, I do. And I'm like, well, well, can you explain to me what it is? And I, I, this is their exact words. I'm not, I'm not fabricating. I'm not making this up, all right? This is their exact words. They're, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just a little tough. I'm like, what do you mean it's a little tough? You know, he's, he's laying this out. We're kind of an email conversation back and forth. He said, well, you're, you're tall and you're good looking. And I said, praise Jesus. <laughs> I kid you not, it's a real conversation. You're tall and you're good looking. And I'm like, I don't even know how to apologize for that. Like, it has nothing to do with me. Thank my parents and thank God. Like, I have nothing to do with that, right? That's just genes. Like, there's nothing I can do. And they said, well, also, um, you're really funny on Sunday mornings and you make everybody laugh. I'm like, okay, all right. I will stop doing that. You know, this is a jet. Here's what I realized. I realized that this person had a wrong definition of what humility is. This person, listen to me. Humility is not me um, um, if I am tall and good looking, Thank you. If I'm tall and good looking, she's a little slow. She's, we've, listen, we've been working on it at home. I'll put her on the couch and I'll be like, babe, when I get to that part, that's where you say amen, all right? Like, work with me, right? Work with me, okay? It, listen, humility is not me if I'm tall and good looking saying that I'm something I'm not. Humility is if, I, if I'm funny, I roll with it, right? Listen, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. There are much smarter people out there than me. And if you're super smart, use it. Are you with me? The, the problem is I think sometimes we have a, a wrong idea of what humility is. Listen, Daniel had the proper understanding of biblical humility. Let, let me remind you, Daniel is the one that wrote this book. Daniel is the one saying, I was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He's, he's writing that about him himself. Matter of fact, if you go back to the very first chapter that we covered, Daniel, as he begins to write about their captivity in Babylon, says, and the king chose people that were strong and good-looking to serve in the palace. Daniel was one of the ones that got chosen to serve in the palace. Daniel is writing this about himself. But yet, what we understand is that Daniel comes from a, a place of complete humility. How do we know that? We're gonna read a couple verses here, and we're gonna see this. Daniel, and matter of fact, I would say this, that the overarching theme of, of, of the first six chapters of Daniel, the overarching theme is about humility. About humility. Daniel knew how to have humility in Babylon and it elevated him to a place where he could speak not only into his own people, but into his captors. 
And I, I believe this all my heart. If we want to thrive in this culture, we need a healthy dose of biblical humility. We need to understand what humility, humility is and, and maybe a little bit about what humility isn't. This is what the Bible says. And Daniel wrote it. It says that, man, he was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. Here's what Proverbs 22.1 says. This is what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Now, I want us to understand that. It doesn't say choose a good re reputation and forget riches. It's comparing the two. It's saying, look, if you, if you have to make a choice, if you, are, if you are going to downgrade your character to obtain this, then don't do it. It's not saying that you can't have a good reputation and riches. It's saying, listen, man, your reputation is more valuable. Don't go after those things. Here's the way it says in the New King James uh, Version. It says a good name is to be chosen. This is the way I memorized it growing up. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. A great name is to be chosen. What gives us a great, a great name? I believe with all my heart what gives Christianity, what gives the bride of Christ, what gives church globally a great name is a healthy dose of humility. But the right definition of humility. Biblical humility. Here he is, he's faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And I believe the reason, listen, the reason he could write that. Because, I mean, when you, when you put it in that perspective, I mean, if I was to write you something and say, hey, how you doing today? This is your pastor who is always faithful, completely, you know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, oh, unless I really was. Right? It's in complete humility that Daniel writes this about himself. He has a proper understanding, a proper perspective of who he is and who he is in Christ Jesus. And I believe that humility is the overarching characteristic that Daniel had, and we'll see it here in the scripture. Let's look at a couple verses here. You, don't, you can just write them down. I don't know if they're on the screen. But humility is the major theme in this, in this book so far. In Daniel 1, 8 through 16, Daniel does not simply refuse. This is at the very beginning where he's taken captive. Daniel does not simply refuse to eat the food set before him, but he asks to be tested. He doesn't just, he doesn't just see all this food coming and then just say, push it away, I'm not eating that. He goes in a place of humility and says, hey, person in charge, rather than me eating all of this can you feed me vegetables and give me water instead and test me? What is that? That's humility. That's humility. In Daniel chapter 2, 27 through 30, when Daniel inter interprets the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, remember Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and he needed the, he didn't, not only needed the meaning of it, he actually wanted, hey, I want you to tell me what the dream was. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to tell me what my dream was and then I want you to interpret it. Right? This is what happens. Daniel does it but he does not take credit but gives glory to God. What is that? That's humility. In Daniel chapter four, the whole entire chapter, which is a great story, which we could have touched on, maybe, maybe Tony will next week. Daniel chapter four, this is, the whole chapter is about Nebuchadnezzar's rise because of his humility, because he honored God, all the way to his fall because of pride to him being reestablished in the kingdom because of humility. 
the whole entire chapter. Chapter five, we see Belshazzar punished for his pride. And Pastor Steve touched on that a little bit last week. So far through six verses, six chapters, here's the theme, humility, humility, humility. I believe it was Daniel's remarkable humility that gave him favor in the eyes of his captors. In order to thrive in Babylon, we need this great deal of humility also. Let me just give you a few ideas here what, what humility is not. Because here, I think, is where uh, this, this couple's um, idea of humility was skewed. They didn't have a proper understanding of biblical humility. Okay? First thing is this. Biblical humility is not insecurity. It's not low self-esteem or downplaying someone's accomplishments. That's not, that's not, listen, here's the reality. Pride, arrogance, and insecurity all stem from the same place. Your eyes are right here. Wow, look how good I am. Look at all the things I've done. This is King Nebuchadnezzar in, in chapter four. Look at the kingdom I built. Look at all that I've done. This is amazing. All oh, my eyes are right here. Okay, insecurity. Man, I'm not good enough. Man, I don't, I don't have enough. Man, I, they all stem from the same place. So listen to me. Humility, it's not me living in an insecure, self-depriving way. That's not. Matter of fact, it's completely contrary to the way God wants you to live out your faith. God wants you to live bold with your faith. Matter of fact, check this out. Not only do we have Daniel's example of him writing about himself, saying how good looking he is and how strong he is and all this stuff. Uh, we have the apostle Paul in Galatians 1 um, that declares himself. This is what he says about himself. He says, I, Paul, an apostle of God, not appointed by you people, I'm appointed by him. Oh, says you, right? Like, like Paul understood something. He understood who he was. We need to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, 1 uh, uh, Corinthians 5, uh, 15, 10 says, I am who I am by the grace of God. I, I am who I am. I'm in the position I'm in. Listen, I'm, I'm tall and good looking. Amen. Oh. I wanted to watch March Madness this afternoon, but we're gonna have to work on this a little more. I don't know. Like, I am who I am by the grace of God. Look, I didn't make this. I didn't do this, right? Look, look, the, all of the opportunities God has given me, all the opportunities God has given you, man, it's, it's by grace that you have those things. It's by grace who you are. Man, embrace it and run with it. Discover who you are in Christ Jesus and, and man, fulfill all the great things that he has for you. Man, man live, and live in, in, in humility is not me living a life of insecurity. Well, I don't know. Are you catching that? It's not, in, it's not insecurity, man. Take what God has given you and, and run with it. Run with it. Number two, in, uh, humility is not indecisiveness. Right, it's not, what do I mean by that? Um, it's not me uh, placating to everyone else's uh, desires, wishes, suggestions, whims, theologies, philosophies, I, we go on and on, right? It's not me 
like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, hey, let's just get everybody's perspective, and you know, we'll we'll kind of figure this thing out. And that's that's not humility. That's pathetic. <laughs> Pastor, wow, that's pretty decisive of you. Exactly, it's humility. No, that's, that's, that's indecisiveness is not, but sometimes here's the thing. Why, why am I saying this? Because I think sometimes we can write that person off as, oh, they're super humble. Look how they just sit around and, and, and just receive from everything and everyone. No, actually, Jesus actually warns in the New Testament to his disciples. He's like, hey, be careful of that. Don't, don't actually do that. Okay? This, this idea of indecisiveness Man, it's, 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 not, it's not humility. Matter of fact, I think of John the Baptist, Matthew 11, 7 through 11. Let me read this. This is about John the Baptist, right? The guy that came and paved the way for Jesus to come. So as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. He asked this question, what kind of a man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he weak, a weak reed? Was he weak? Was he indecisive? Swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? There's the other side. No, people with expensive clothes live in, live in palaces. Where you, were you looking for a prophet? Yes, he is more than a prophet. Listen to what it says about him. John is a man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Okay, and what we're gonna go on to discover is that the greatest in the kingdom is a servant, right? Well, we need to have a healthy understanding of that because here's the thing. John the Baptist called this great guy, but he was not this, 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 this reed driven in the wind. He was decisive. He, he went forth with the message. He knew, matter of fact, I mean, look at some of the things he says to people. It's a slap in the face, right? And so it's not this, it's not this indecisive thing and, uh, before I get to what humility, biblical humility is, let me give this last one what it's not. Number three, inactivity or lack of ambition. Inactivity or lack of ambition. I know sometimes that uh, even, even in the church world, we can look at somebody with some ambition and some goals and some motivation and some, like, look at them like, oh, man, they're a little bit arrogant. Why? Because they're working really hard? Because they're active? Because they're ambitious? Because they want to make that thing look more beautiful? Because they want that thing to become more excellent? Because they're, they're, they're grinding a little bit? You, you, that, that, makes them, that makes them not humble? But see, that's, that's the problem. That's, that sometimes can be our idea and it can creep in. And here's the thing, if we're not careful, we could have that idea about, about, about people in the church when really, no, they're just doing everything they, 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 their hand finds to do. They're doing it as under the Lord. They're doing it to glorify him. That's like, that's like one of my life verses. Like everything I find to do. There's garbage on the floor, I'm gonna get that garbage. You can ask my wife, it's so true. Like when I'm walking on the campus in the morning, I'm like, oh, there's garbage right there. It's just this little speck of, you know, get that thing. Okay? Some people call it ADD, it's not. <laughs> just doing everything under the Lord. Okay. Listen. Ambition, lack of ambition and activity is, is not humility. Matter of fact, listen to what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 
It says, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is, that is in me. Look at Philippians 3.14. says, I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing on. I'm, 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 I got ambition. We're, we're moving forward. We're, we're coming into some. 2 Timothy 4.7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Okay. Well, what is, what is biblical humility then? What is biblical humility? Let's look at it real quick. Daniel understood this. Number one, utter dependency on God. I'm completely dependent on God. It starts right there. Biblical humility is me being completely and solely dependent upon God. Look back at Daniel. Daniel lived this life of humility. Even in chapter six, what we read two weeks ago where, and, and the beginning of it today, where, where Daniel, they, they say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make it against the law for, for anyone to pray to anybody other than the king. Daniel actually learns of the plan, but you know what he does? He goes and prays three times a day like he always did. Every time he was approached by the king, hey, can you interpret this dream? You know what the first thing he did was? He went and sought God and asked for the interpretation for the dream. What is that? That's a life that is completely dependent upon God. Listen to me. One of the greatest things that separates us from the rest of culture is that we understand where our life source comes from. We understand where our life flow comes from. We understand the, the very initial uh, idea of salvation is I'm, I'm saved by grace. What God did through faith, my acceptance of his grace. But then it goes on to say, but that faith wasn't even your own. It's been given to you by God. Okay, I am completely dependent upon him. Matter of fact, when Jesus called his disciples, the very first followers to follow him, what did he say? He said, hey, if you wanna come after me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come after me. You must deny yourself. You gotta deny yourself. Uh, last week, I think it was, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to speak at a, a marriage, a marriage um, uh, conference. And uh, just had a little piece of it, and man, it was awesome, we had a good time. Um, but here's the thing that I've discovered, not just in marriage, but really in every relationship and anything in life, um, is that, but, but let me just talk marriage for a minute, because I was there. Um, when there's a problem in your marriage, 100% of it comes back to self-centeredness on one, of, on one of the other person. Self-centeredness. Doesn't matter what it is. Well, uh, he cheated on me. Yeah, I was self-centered. He was thinking about himself. He wasn't thinking about you. Well, man, she goes and she buys way too many shoes. Well, maybe we should do a marriage seminar. I don't know. In Spanish. All right. Um, you know, well, yeah, she's buying too many shoes because she's not thinking that she's only thinking about herself. She's not thinking about the budget. She's not thinking about the family. It's self centeredness. I mean, we, I, I could have this conversation with you all day long because here's what you got to understand the essence of sin is selfishness, it's self centeredness. Listen to me. 
you, you wanna have great relationships, understand the gospel. Understand the very initial onset of, of what you're invited into. You're invited into a life where you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after him. But here's what, you, here's what happens when you do that. You discover the greatest life ever. A life that is utterly dependent upon God and his grace and his provision and his righteousness. Are you with me today? Listen to this. Uh, Luke 18, 10 through 14, it says, two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a despised tax collector. IRS. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. This is the Bible. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Man, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. And prayed instead, he beat, beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those, listen now, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now I'm telling you, we, we as Christ followers, doesn't matter what the world's doing, we as Christians, business owners, Husbands, wives, students, employers, employees, whatever, it doesn't matter, retired. We gotta understand that, man, everything that we have in life is because of God's grace. It's because of him. That's where biblical humility starts. Number two, biblical humility is unconcerned for power, prestige, and position. Power, prestige, and position. Listen to me. If, if, you, if, if, if you, like Daniel, rise to a place of power, prestige, and position, that's completely different. But these things did not concern Daniel. He wasn't seeking after. Listen to me. Dan, Daniel wasn't in, you know, hanging out with his buddies. You know, the Israel nation wasn't hanging out, thinking to themselves, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great if we got taken captive into Babylon and I could just rise to a place of prominence. Right? Listen, Daniel wasn't seeking those things out. Those things happened because he understood where his life source came from. He was completely dependent on God for everything he had. And God elevated him to that place. But here's the problem. I think too many times, man, man when we can begin to seek those things out, that is not, that is not Christ-like. That is not the way he wants us to live. That is not, if you get elevated, now listen to me. I wanna go back. Because we can't, we can't confuse this. That doesn't mean you don't have ambition. That doesn't mean you don't have goals. It doesn't mean you don't have like, hey, here's what I would like to do with my life. Right? But here's the thing. We're not concerned with it. it let's, let's lower it down a level. Um, my youngest um, plays basketball. She's 16. She's a junior this year. And uh, she's getting recruiting calls uh, to play basketball at universities. Um, a broad spectrum, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI. She's getting all sorts of, 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 of conversations with coaches. And I've sat in on most of these. It's been fun. But at the age of 16, that can be a little overwhelming. Like, I want to make sure I choose the right one. I want to make sure I go to the right 
place. And so I had this conversation with her. I said, baby, you don't have to worry about any of that because you're not in control of your life. A little scary. Where the power is like, like, you know, like, like my armor bearers will come up at the end of service with guns concealed. Just kidding. That's, that's not really happening. But, you know, and it's like, you can't approach. And it's like, wow. Okay. I'll leave it there. Listen to what Matthew 23, 8 through 12 says. It says, don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher. And all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And, and don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be, listen to it now, the greatest among you must be the servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 9, 35 says, and he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone. This right here, I could have just shared that one verse and that one idea. Because that one idea right there just captures the whole idea of biblical humility. It's me not being self-seeking and self-serving, but it's me putting someone else's interest and needs above my own. And listen to me, not just to those that I think are important, but to everyone. And this is what brought Daniel to that place because he knew how to serve everyone. Listen, did his captors deserve it? No, but he offered it anyway. Because that's humility. Listen, I'm, I'm sure you can think about some people in your own life that, that you don't want to serve. I've got a long list. Don't worry, you're not on it. But you know what? Then that's not humility. That's bitterness and unforgiveness. Humility is me being able to serve anyone and everyone, no matter of their position because I'm not seeking out position, prestige, and power. James, the book of James has some great things to say about that. Daniel was a master of this. He understood and he served everyone equally. Lastly, let me, let me finish with this. Band, you can come. Number three, what biblical humility is, it's unquestioning acceptance of God's word unquestioning acceptance of God's word. Um, I, I, want, I, want, I want you to understand this one. Because it's okay to read God's word and be like, I don't understand that, and to ask some questions around it. What's not okay is for us as Christ followers and believers to come to a place where we are fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ and say, you know what? I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. Biblical humility is me coming to this place where it's like, man, that's some hard stuff. Forgive all those who have wronged me? That's some hard stuff. But you know what? I'm gonna embrace it, I'm gonna do it. It's unquestioning acceptance. This is God's word. Listen to me. Obedience to God's word is the way that, that, that they know we're Christians. 
when we obey his commands. There are times, I'll be honest with you, in my life that I don't want to obey this. I want to hold a grudge. I want to be bitter. I, wa I want to retaliate. I want to think those thoughts. But you know what? I'm going to submit the unquestioning acceptance of the Word of God. Listen to me. I, I don't think anybody modeled this better than Jesus Christ himself. If you, if you look at the story, which we will coming up, Good Friday, Jesus is having this moment in a garden where he knows the plan of God. The plan of God is for him to lay down his life, to die the most brutal death known to man so that all the sins of humanity can be forgiven. And in it, he's having this conversation with his heavenly father. He says these words, man, I really don't want to do this, paraphrased, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. I'm going to obey God. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says, though he, Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself, listen now, in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He modeled humility to the point of death. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that you and I could rise and have new life. Jesus models humility for us. There's no biblical definition of hum humility that does not include an absolute obedience to the Word of God. Listen to the great prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 2. It says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word, who have a healthy understanding of my word, who fear my word, who hold my word in high regard. Biblical humility is me saying, man, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I'm gonna live by this. This is, this is it for me. This is me, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna live by this and this alone. Even those times that I don't want to, I'm gonna come right back, I'm gonna come right back to here. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father. Judgment Day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You break God's laws. You don't obey the commands of God. Listen to me like Daniel. We need to learn a healthy dose of humility. We need to understand biblical humility, and we need to walk it out. Listen to this. Go and stand to your feet and listen to as I read this. If we want to make a significant impact in our modern day Babylon, we need to stop avoiding or attacking godless leaders and engage them the same way Daniel did. We need to humbly serve whoever God chooses to temporarily place in positions of authority. We need to do what Daniel did. We need to come and humbly serve leaders. We need to come and humbly serve others.
whoever God's put in charge, whoever God put on the seat of presidency, whoever God's put on the seat of the governor of California, whoever God put on the seat called your employer, we need to come to a place where we're not avoiding them or attacking them, but we say, okay, we understand the plan of God and we're gonna humbly serve whoever he puts as authority in our life. And it is there where we begin to win people over for the kingdom of God. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is impactful. God, your word challenges, corrects, rebukes, and encourages. And I pray today that we as Christ followers, those that call ourselves Christians, would walk out of here today, God, with a healthy biblical understanding of humility. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're here today and I want to give you this invitation. You're here today and you'd say, you know what? I understand what it is to be a Christian a little bit now. And I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go that direction. I wanna find out more. I wanna, I wanna invite Jesus into my life. I wanna find my utter dependency upon him. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Christ follower. But I need, I know I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, on the count of three, just shoot your hand in the air, give me this opportunity. One, two, three, anybody at all, I need Jesus. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? put your hand down. Anybody else? Come on, that's one person that just raised their hand. Here's what we're going to do. Come on, maybe there's more online and if you're online and you're saying, hey, that's me, I can't see you, even though you can see me, here's what's going to happen right now. Our service host is going to put up a link and it's just going to click on it. You're going to let us know that you said yes to Jesus today. If you don't see it come up, you can simply text the word yes to 858-943-2221 and We'll make sure we follow up with you this week. But here's what I want to do for all those that are online and all those in this room that raise their hand. Can we just close our eyes and, and together as one family, can we just pray this prayer? Doesn't matter if you're not saying it for yourself unless you raise your hand, but we're going to help that other brother into the kingdom of God right now. So say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I love you and I thank you that you're the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins. So Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to forgive me of these sins. Now for 30 seconds, we're gonna pause right there. And if you raised your hand, you don't have to say it out loud. But right now the Holy Spirit is searching you and there's things that are holding you back. You just begin to confess those right now. Come on online. You begin to confess those things right now. The Holy Spirit's gonna lead you to some things. Forgive me for this, forgive me for that. Come on, just 20 more seconds. We're gonna pause right here. Come on, someone's getting right with God. Someone's saying yes to Jesus right now. Someone's entering eternity right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, everybody now repeat after me. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me in all truth. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, can we give a hand to that one that said yes to Jesus? Hey, uh, man, God is good. God is good. Hey, right before we leave, uh, man, just bring it down a little bit. I feel like there's somebody here, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, um, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, different things. And I feel like there's somebody here um, 
that uh, God has raised you, and I don't know who you could come see me afterwards. God has uh, raised you to a place of uh, a good position at your job place, uh, but you're receiving, you're, you're getting pushback, and maybe being even accused of, of being prideful and arrogant, um, and to the point where you've really been actually struggling with it a little bit. Maybe thinking to yourself, "Am I? Is that me?" Um, I just believe that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you today uh, to keep living a biblical life of humility. And don't allow that to tear down the platform God's given you. And don't worry about, because just how Daniel was thrown into the lion's den as people lied about him and manipulated him and deceived him, but yet God shut the mouth of those lions. I believe that God is working on the other end right now, and he's going to shut the mouth of those that are trying to devour your testimony and the thing that God is doing in your life. So Lord, I lift up that person right now. I pray that you'd encourage them. I pray that you would strengthen them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, or if you were the one that raised your hand saying, man, I want to get right with God. Come on, pastors, come on up right here if you could. Uh, some small group leaders. Um, if you were the one that raised your hand, hey, we got pastors up here. We want to take three minutes of your time and just say hi to you, pray with you, make sure you have everything you need. Um, and uh, if you need prayer for anything else, you need healing in your body. Come on, you're going through a hard time. Come on, right now. Uh, we want to minister to you. Come on up. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.